Welcome to Trowadron Legends and Lore. Episode 27, Druid. Well, hello and welcome to Trilodon Legends and Lore. I'm Chad Corey, and we're going to get right into it today, talking about another race god, the second race god of the three. And this would be Druid, god of the dwarves. Uh, last episode, we introduced the whole concept of the race gods. I'm not going to get into that again, explaining more about their history and kind of how they were developed. This time, we are looking at Druid, the dwarves, and a little nutshell for Druid. He was not really a king or anyone really of any significance. He was just a very loyal, uh, I guess you can say soldier, who served during the Imperial Wars and did his best to stop the invasions of the humans at the time from taking over all of Drulandia and ultimately destroying the Dwarven homeland, which led them into having to go and disperse themselves throughout the rest of the world, which established where we have the mountain dwarves and hill dwarves and various clans throughout the world. So when he was raised or elevated to the level of divine god of the dwarves, he had a little bit different of background, a little different approach, and it was thought that his elevation would be a good thing because he was so dedicated to preserving and protecting the dwarves and their culture and race as a whole. He'd be able to continue that and bring them together and unite them into an overall uh, racial group again and, and, and rise, raise them up to a level of higher society, spirituality, you know, technology, all the various things that the gods were hoping would be the case with the race gods. And unfortunately, like was the case for all the race gods, he was not that successful early on. And only now until recent modern times and even beyond that, he has begun to finally achieve some of what he was hoping to achieve and what he was created to achieve with his position. The biggest challenge, of course, came in the, the, the process of the dwarves splitting up and forming different clans, different mindsets as far as how to interact with each other and the world as, all, as a whole. And he had to kind of work not with just one racial group, but different, different pockets, different segments of them and their cultures and societies that developed up over the years and their interactions that became more of a multi-level, uh, multi-pronged, faceted approach to try and bring them back to a level of unity and wholeness and development as all, because now he wasn't just working with one one conglom- you know, one group, I guess you can say, like with Drulandia, he has the you know the, the Diamond clan, he has this clan over here, he has that clan, he has like eleven different clans he's working with all the time on all the various interests and relationships and facets to them that he has to kind of balance now and maintain for his overall direction and goals. It's a little bit more challenging, but he's begun to, like I said, pull things together like all the other race gods have. And now as we move into the future years and installments of stories and things, you'll begin to see a greater level of success and push toward the ultimate and that he and the rest of the race gods will finally be doing in general. But overall, he is the god of the dwarven race. And unlike Aerotriptan, who we talked about last episode, he is pretty well received by them, given that he has a uh, high level of respect, almost to the extent or the exclusion of the other gods of the Trilodron Pantheon, which is kind of a unique situation he finds himself in, to be the sole god of the dwarven race. So he's he's got a good, solid foundation there. He's just building up and continuing that, like I said. 
Some of his titles include Lord of the Dwarves, Keeper of Tradition, Instiller of Honor, Lord of the Twelve Clans, Preserver of Drulandia. And his symbol, it's called Druid Standard or the Holy Standard. It's two warhammers crossed in front of a double-bladed axe. And on banners and shields, the background is black with hammers being silver and the axe being gold. And when it's used for priests for their holy symbol, it's carved or put into a steel pendant. And it's molded uh, out of the hammers and axe and attached to a steel chain. So it's more like a, a decorative pendant that they they wear. Again, like all priests, it's kind of their symbol of, of office or sets them apart as their final part of dress that they can tap into and show, hey, I'm a priest. And sometimes they use it for their focus of faith, among other things as well. Like I said earlier, like all race gods, uh, Druid is a part of Sivis carved out for him, for him and his followers to inhabit. And his realm was called New Drulandia. And it's basically, in a lot of ways, it's what would have we would consider Drulandia if it had never fallen and if people were just able to continue existing there, but done in a higher level, the highest level possible, and on every level, and that's what New Drulandia represents, ultimately the ultimate pinnacle for the Dwarven race, should they be able to get there. And like I mentioned last episode with Arrow, Druid being a race god, he is pretty well received by just about everyone in the Pantheon. In fact, he's probably a little bit less or I should say more even-keeled and more focused on his objective, and so I think that gets him a lot more respect from the rest of the gods. Um, he has more or less uh, a mindset that will adhere him more towards the light gods as far as philosophically speaking, but he's also received and respected and um, welcomed by the gray gods, and even the dark gods don't really have anything against him. He is just, you know, he's beneficial in their eyes because he's actually attempting to do something he was created and elevated to do. And in that same, you know, on the flip side of that coin, he doesn't really have any any disagreements or arguments or problems with anyone from the divine standpoint of things. Again, he's pretty even keeled and he pretty keeps to himself and remains focused on what he sees his objective as being. And again, that doesn't really produce any enemies for him to contend with. The people that follow after him are called Juden. And the Druden basically are all Taurs, obviously. He's not going to be a god that you're going to follow uh, if you're a human or elf or any other race. He obviously has his focus just on the dwarves. And as I mentioned in the last episode with Eratripton, you're not going to really find his shrines or temples or anything in any other lands outside of Dwarven lands. So big surprise, if you have a Dwarven clan somewhere, there's probably going to be a temple to Druid somewhere in it or even or a shrine or a few shrines in a temple, maybe, or things like that. You might you might come across a shrine or a smaller place of worship or at least acknowledgement of the deity in a multicultural or a trading city or a major port city, that kind of thing, because really travel back and forth. But it's not a common thing, and uh, even if there is there, he's not necessarily going to have a temple that's pretty in-your-face. It's going to be more sub, you know, subdued or more simple, hidden away from private, you know, peering eyes. Not because they got anything that high, but just because it's not something that people are readily going to say, oh yeah, I'll go to the, you know, the, the Dwarven God Shrine. It's more or less off the beaten path in a lot of places are just kind of kept aside for people that know how to get there and and uh, benefit from it. So again, he's more tied to the Dwarven philosophy of developing that the group in general. And tied into that, like a lot of the other race gods, he stands, Druid stands 11 feet tall. 
and he has wheat brown hair with a silvering beard. His eyes are purple, and of course, like all dwarves, he has charcoal gray skin. He has the unique option uh, in his dress that he keeps 12 braids in his beard. Many dwarves, for those that are familiar with reading books or just the, the Trelawden website in general, they have uh, they braid their beards at different lifetimes. You know, uh, usually usually 25 years they, they put a braid in to kind of mark how long they've lived. It's a sign of you know maturity. It's kind of a coming of age kind of thing. Kind of a um, an external mark people can say and say, oh, you know, you're you're so old. And it's an instantaneous way to recognize an elder or someone older than you or younger than you. With Druid, though, obviously he's lived much longer than those 25 years since he's a god now, and they don't really serve that same purpose. The braids in his beards represent what he's calling the unity of the dwarven race. There's this philosophy, if you will, or a, a mindset among priests and different people in the faith, the religion, that he is working to bring about the 12th clan. In fact, that's one of his titles. You know, Tizen talks about the 12th clan. And the 12th clan will be a unified whole dwarven race once again. 12 in the dwarven mindset is a symbol of unity, the symbol of total government. You know, it's a wholeness type of thing, whereas 11 is, is, is a fractured type of thing. And there's only 11 clans right now. So it's seen as a fractured thing, a negative thing, something that's lacking a wholeness, whereas 12 is a wholeness, a completion kind of thing. And so he's bringing about the final clan, the total uni unity of the dwarven race. And so that's kind of what he wears as an external symbol and I guess a reminder to himself that that's what he should be doing and what he should be doing about. His holy text is called the Iron Tablet and it's a pretty pretty big sized piece of iron. It's carved with the basic tenets, laws, and rules that Druid expects his priests to abide by in this life and followers to abide by as well. They have a secondary book which is said to be their history of the clans and stuff which they incorporate into their religions and philosophies and, and, and things of that nature. Basically, their holy days are, well, obviously, like all the race gods, the big day is called Druid's Day, which is when they hold that he he died fighting for the, the greater good of Drulandia and the doors as a whole, and then he was raised or had his apotheosis into the divine. That's their major holy day that they, they celebrate. But in general, like I said, he's he's there to encourage the benefit of the the dwarf, their society, their culture, what they're about, who they're about. And of all the race gods in general, he isn't really too keen on having himself portrayed, portrayed excuse me, as uh, something grandiose. He is probably one of the most subdued of the gods as far as overall physical appearance for his official form, his true form. He looks very similar, almost exactly like he did when he died. Obviously he's not dead, but he looks better. He looks you know, healthy and whole and stuff like that. Obviously embellished the new height and things like that too. But he looks very similar to what he did in, in life. There's not a lot of divine embellishments. He is just trying to keep himself as true and realistic to himself as possible, which he feels helps give him the greater perspective and focus on his mission and a way to see things in general. And that kind of carries over into how he's portrayed in artwork and stuff as well, how people know him. Because he wasn't a really well-known figure like someone like Arrow was before he died, he he had some people who knew him, but Druid wasn't something that everybody, oh, yeah, everyone knew who he was over the entirety of the Dwarven population. 
So there is some minor tweaks or alterations that get made as far as making him look a certain way or whatever the purpose is for the the artwork, the statuary, whatever he's being portrayed in. But they try and keep a, a, a realistic, grounded approach to keeping him, making him look like a dwarf, obviously, but a dwarf that is not like a divine dwarf, if that makes sense. So, And Druid has a hand in that as well. He doesn't necessarily want to give people the false impression of who he was, nor does he want to make himself look better than he was as a mortal dwarf. He wants to be true in all things and keep himself pure and true, again, to keep himself focused on the mission and to keep his worshipers and followers focused on what he's trying to impart into them as well. So I think that is where we're going to focus, uh, wrap up, excuse me, this particular episode. A little bit shorter than the other ones, but again, he's kind of a plain-spoken deity, so there's not a lot of sex, there's not a lot of different uh, division within his worship. He's not a big god of division, so it's just pretty much a universal religion. There might be a different flavor in some clans about how people approach things, but because everything is so tight and structured in religion, tradition, and orthodoxy, there's not going to be major deviations or uh, schisms and divisions within the faith. So everything has remained the same and remained focused throughout all these centuries, which has actually benefited the dwarves and benefited Druid making his job a little bit easier, trying to get that unity and wholeness and and purpose for his uh, elevation accomplished. So thank you for listening. I do appreciate that. Please check back again next month when we get into the final god of the race gods, and that will be Panthora. Thanks for listening. This podcast is copyright Chad Corey. All rights reserved.